This is episode one of the Elrug podcast. My name is Chris Lewis and this month I sat down with Corey Haynes and Chris Parsons to talk about software craftsmanship. Our hosts for this month's Elrug meeting were Skills Matter. You can download the video of both Corey and Chris's talks at skillsmatter.com. So Chris, mm-hmm. just say who you are and okay. where you're from. So my name's Chris Parsons. I'm from a company called Eden Development based in Winchester. Uh, we are a company of about 10 software developers and we build uh, websites and web applications, mostly in Ruby and Ruby on Rails. All right. And also at the table, we have Corey. I'm Corey Haynes. I'm independent contractor and uh, yeah, I travel around talk about craftsmanship and do you want to say a little bit more about that? So you said this evening in your talk that you've been traveling the world talking about software craftsmanship. What, what, what does that mean? Um, well, these days what I'm really focused on is taking some of the, the actual concrete practices that we're doing. And when I, when I say practices, I actually mean practicing instead of you know the techniques and stuff like that. I'm going around hosting um, these things called code retreats. And, well, actually facilitating them more than hosting usually a local company like Eden. Um, and there's another local company called Riverglide that's sponsoring it. And we're having it at Bletchley Park. And it is a, um, it's a day-long, very much practice-oriented event where we, we get together and we spend the day working on improving our fundamental skills and the basic skills. And so I've been traveling around doing these. Um, facilitating these around and mm-hmm. and when I'm in a place I'll speak at a user group like Elrug um, and you know wave my arms a little bit about you know <laughs> becoming a better you know ways to become a better software developer yeah so Chris and Corey your talk this evening were both about software craftsmanship do you want to say Chris what software craftsmanship what does that mean for people who are not familiar with the term is this software craftsmanship is, is about raising the bar and uh, you can set it off against something like the Agile Manifesto, whereas uh, the Agile Manifesto was all about delivering um, better software. And the Craftsmanship Manifesto is about uh, delivering better software developers. So the idea is that uh, we are trying to look for ways and methods of helping uh, people raise their own level of ability with software, their ability to code and their ability to deliver business value for a client. Um, sometimes the same thing, there's, there's overlap, but, but actually there's, there's quite a lot that isn't coding that's to do with delivering business value too. Uh, but there's a sense that you know through practicing our methods, through uh, going through different practices, trying new ones, um, and um, uh, testing them out to see how what works and what doesn't, um, we should be able to uh, really get to uh, a, a better level, a high level of our own practice. Mm-hmm. So it seems like Agile software practices, XP or Scrum, making a lot of headway into even larger corporations such as where I work. So are you saying that Agile has failed in its stated aims of delivering value in a way that's transparent to the customer? Or are you saying that we have... This is the this is the next level. This is the evolution of that. I think it's more of it, I think it's more of an an evolution of a um, a complementary idea. So it's not saying that agile doesn't work or it's failed or anything like that. As much as it's saying here's 
sort of a complementary set of ideas that can augment what you do to develop, deliver business value. Mm-hmm. And here's ways to make it so that you can adopt whatever your chosen practices are more effectively, mm-hmm. um, hopefully with less um, effect on your business. And it's really about bringing the individual developers and the teams of developers, bringing them concrete ways to improve their skills um, so that whatever the skills are that they want to improve. So at the Agile Manifesto talked specifically about interactions with individuals, but it did not talk about how you take a developer with no experience and turn them into you know, a very experienced, very effective developer. And I think one thing for me that the software craftsmanship uh, kind of movement is, is trying to promote is, is, is new ways of training and teaching uh, young developers and, and, um, and bringing them on so that they are more useful to business, I guess. Um, and uh, I think within the whole concept of that, there's also a sense where we all have to make sure that our game is raised as well um, to the point where we can be continually improving and um, getting better at what we do. Mm-hmm. And also being accountable to each other and to ourselves about our practices. It's very easy, isn't it, in software when we, we're building software just to kind of let things slide when, when you come to a big deadline. And, you know, for, for me personally, I'm accountable to, to some of my peers in this that, you know, that they won't let me do that. You know, there's a sense that, you know, we, we all need to be accountable to each other and to ourselves to make sure that our practices are good all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that really brings in one of the statements in the uh, Craftsmanship Manifesto is this, you know, is this community of professionals. Mm-hmm. And that's really where, you know, I am responsible to the people around me to do my best mm-hmm. and improve what that means to do my best. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean that I have to be perfect, but it means that I'm, I should be raising what best means for me. Mm-hmm. Learn better ways to do things and then practice so that those become your ways. So I see that agile is, is often brought into organizations in in a way that's now packaged up and you can you can say to people, you know, you should do this, this and this and you're gonna deliver better value. This is something that is, is software craftsmanship is it is it a top down approach? Is it something that you you take to teams and you say you know, here's some concrete things that you can do to improve it. Or is this a bottom-up approach? Do you have a sense that this is coming from from developers trying to improve the situation that they find themselves in? I look at it more as a sort of an inside-out approach of if the people on the team decide that they want to take this on and become better at what they do, then they do it. Mm-hmm. There's, there's not really, I don't feel that it makes any sense to bring software craftsmanship in there. I don't think it actually means anything as much as just people start to become, you start having a desire to be better. I don't think you sell it. I don't think it's not, it's not, it's not going to change your organization necessarily. You're not going to change your organization. Um, the nice thing is that there's companies like Eden, that are based on some of these ideas, that it's not that they were sold on it. And Chris made a really good point tonight that it's not that 
suddenly he discovered software craftsmanship and was like, oh, I'm going to change everything. Oh, my company's going to change. But he was doing these sorts of things already and then realized that, hey, there's, you know, there's this community of people out, of like-minded people out there. Um, mm. And then... Yeah, and because because I built the company out slowly with adding employees, I tended to hire people who thought the same as me, mostly unconsciously. You know, you just hire the people who you think you can work with, and, and because they had the same underlying ethos about code that was about craft, even though we weren't calling it that at the time, it was in all of us. So for for us to, uh, I suppose, we, when when we say that Eden became a software craftsmanship company, that didn't really happen. We were always a software craftsmanship company. We just used the language that software craftsmanship gave us to describe who we are. Um, so that was it, really. Yeah, and it's not that, you know, even a year ago when the manifesto came out and when we had the original um, software craftsmanship summit in Chicago, yeah, it wasn't that everybody, you know, the people got together and said, let's come up with something new. Mm-hmm. It was, hey, this is these are the things we believe in. We're kind of like-minded. Let's talk about them. Just like the... You know, at Snowbird, the Agile Manifesto that came out, they didn't sit there and go, hmm, what if we wrote tests first? Mm-hmm. It was the result of, you know, mm-hmm. 10, 15, 20 years of, of trying to improve the, mm-hmm. um, the game. And actually, you know, at Snowbird, they brought people from all sorts of different of these, um, I don't remember the term they called them, but like micro-methodologies or something that were... Um, yeah, it's embarrassing. I don't remember what they're called, but um, they brought these people from varying areas and said, "Let's try to distill some of the the core concepts of all of these mm-hmm. um, methodologies because they were all were pushing, they were reacting to the heavy handedness of the you know bringing in the, you know the, the very heavy documentation and all of that, and trying to turn it into a, a much more of an engineering discipline, and it just wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the same. Uh, we all had been fooling around with different ideas. And just all got together and like, oh, hey, there is a core set of things um, that we all can kind of ascribe to mm-hmm. that we think could be inspiring to other people. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, I think on Saturday there were 5,050 people who had signed, signed it. Um, I did a Google search on software craftsmanship and subtracted out book. <laughs> to try to get rid of, you know, there's all of the hits for McBreen's book. Not to not have that be important because it's a, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing, but just to not skew the Google results. And there was about, I think it was 32,000 hits. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure there were things thrown in there, but that's a lot in a year that this term has started to take over. And it's not a new term. I mean, mm-hmm. Pete McBreen's book was, I think, 2004. Yeah. Um, and so the term's been out there and the, and the ideas have been the out there for a long time. program as well, like I said, yeah. all the things that... They had, you know, the, the, the subtitle was from Journeyman to Master. Yeah. I think that all, the, all that's happened in the last year is that a group of people have got together who already thought similar things have sharpened their thinking based on each other and have um, tried to show some leadership, really, and tried to show where people can be. And I think... Um, that's laudable, really, because I think that um, not being part of it myself to to have seen that happen was was great for me because it it really helped us to to give us new language for as a company for what we were doing already, and that was and and finding a group of people who we liked and trusted and and you know could work with uh, it, it widened our our you know our kind of um, 
network of friends, I guess, in that sense. And that's um, so I'm very glad that they got together and, and started talking about it a bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's the great thing about it is that it is inclusive. It's not something that you you can you don't have to go through any initiation ceremony to be part of the club. You know, if if you are if your ethos internally, you know, and this is the way you think, and you really do care about business value, and you really care about being the best person you can be, and doing the best job you can be, and you really fundamentally do care about code and software. You know, you're in really. Just like Corey said this morning, uh, sorry, the, the, the beginning of the evening. You know, you're a craftsman. Either if you call yourself a craftsman, or if you work for a company that calls you a craftsman. <laughs> you know, there is really no barrier to to entry in that sense. You know, you, you know, you. We all want to improve and, and gain skills, and anyone who is kind of in that mindset, you know, is very welcome to join the conversation. And it's it's one of the things that often gets. Um, brushed over with the conversations about the ideas and all of that stuff is that over the last year, and this was a little bit of what my QCon talk was about, was there's concrete activities that are going on around these ideas. So, you know, there's code retreats that are going on um, all over the world. I just facilitated Romania's seventh code retreat. I mean, they've had them in Iceland, all over the States. Um, there's these craftsman swaps that are mm-hmm. happening. Optiva's opened up this idea of craftsman spikes. There's more and more people doing their own sort of craftsman journeys mm-hmm. um, as they get a little bit of time off. Um, actually, you know, traveling around and mm-hmm. doing stuff. And there's a lot of there's a lot of people I know who are just taking a day off and going and working at another place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd love to see independent contractors do that as well. If you're working mm-hmm. at home, yeah. You know, go find a co-working facility or yeah. set, set like an exchange program. Yeah, go to go to Panera. Mm-hmm. You know, and go to Starbucks because their their network has the greatest pipe. I know, I was in Bula Bay, Illinois, in between Champaign and Chicago, little town. Had a fun time there. Starbucks had like three ninety k up. I mean, it was amazing. I uploaded video in, you know, a, a small town in middle Illinois. And so, you know, they have a good internet connection. But I, go to Panera. I think also one of the main things, that we, we didn't talk much about practice tonight, but if, if people wanted one practice that would really help them to raise their own game and become better, I would say it's pairing. Um, if you can pair with as many people, many other coders as possible, at all ranges of levels from experts, people who've got 50 years of experience to, to the guy who started last Tuesday, you know, you will learn something from all of those guys. Um, yeah. And and pair with people who are more experienced than yourselves is kind of obvious because you write code together and you learn new things and that's great. You'll learn things about your editors you never thought possible. You'll learn things about shell scripting that no one's used for 30 years, so you thought. You know, you will learn um, idioms, idiomatic, Ruby, different ways of testing, a difficult thing, how do you test file uploads, how do you test network access, all of the kind of stuff that one thing is you've, hard. You've mentioned to me before, Chris, is pairing on, pairing on tasks that are not even programming tasks, so yeah. you get a sense of the... Yeah, we had on the VAT return last week. And I paired with a guy who works with me on Ike who um, found it terribly boring, actually. But he was helpful because um, um, it was uh, two people in the office helping me out, check, double-check the figures with me, and it took me much less time. So pair, pairing is actually a good life skill. Everyone should do it. <laughs> but, I mean, I think you learn a huge amount. And, and the more you pair with different people in different environments, in different countries, from different cultures, the more you learn about coding, the more you learn about yourself, the more you learn about things in general. 
Um, so I would encourage, especially if you are, I, for many years, for about two, three years, I was the guy in the bedroom coding, you know, basically in the spare room as a contractor. And, and I think that I, I lost time through that isolation, time that I could have been learning and improving. I did a lot of reading, but I didn't really work with people directly. And I think that that was a mistake. Now, looking back, I would, I would rather have spend less time reading and more time although that's really important but but I would spend more time uh, just working with people working alongside people and coding with them yeah and I can you know say with experience that all you pair with everybody mm-hmm. you know the, the a lot of people say well it's, it's a great way to train and it is you know learn, pair with somebody mm-hmm. who is more experienced than you and then take that and teach somebody less experienced and that's great Pairing with somebody at your level is amazing because you really push together and, you know, you just, you get into that groove and really crank it out. So, you know, pairing is about the best way to develop mm-hmm. software. And yeah. And you learn, it's amazing how much you learn from people who are less experienced than you, um, who don't have the set ways of thinking. It's quite possible that they've got an idea that just... Would you would th- have thought stupid because you would never have thought of it, but because they don't know better, they've suggested actually it's the best idea to solve the problem, and that happens with surprising regularity, yeah. and, and it keeps us humble, which mm-hmm. is very important. We should probably wrap up, chaps, and let you get to the pub and yeah, carry, on the, uh, carry on the, I, the discussions there. So we, we have beer to drink. Yes. Yeah, You've been that. listening to the Owl Rug Podcast. This month I was joined by Corey Haynes and Chris Parsons. Corey can be found online at coreyhaynes.com. Chris's company, Eden Development, are at edendevelopment.co.uk, where they also have a blog. You can get involved with the London Ruby community at lrug.org, where you will also find details of our upcoming events. Thank you for listening, and please get in touch with any feedback about the show. I'm at Chris Lois on Twitter.